overwhelmed, Bretto. It is perhaps the number one challenge our Wellness Couch listeners face. It's also the number one reason why many listeners can't get to our live events. Well, we have listened to our listeners and we are putting on our first online event, Release Your Overwhelm. So exciting, MP. Put Saturday, November 23 in the calendar. Log in from your phone or your TV or your laptop anywhere in the world and tune in to... Kim Morrison. Brett Hill. Marcus Pierce, Wendy Stewart. And Jason Witten. Release your overwhelm about time, relationships, money, your body, and most importantly, you. Access is just $10 and available at releaseyouroverwhelm.com. Book in now at releaseyouroverwhelm.com. I'm Kim Forrester and welcome to Eudaimonia, the podcast that is all about flourishing. More than just the mundane or pleasure and pain, Eudaimonia calls for us to create a good life. It's about fulfillment, inspiration, joy. So plug in, relax and get ready for the goodness as we explore the characteristics and daily practices that can help you, your loved ones and your community flourish. Adrian Hayes is a British record-breaking adventurer, author, speaker, leadership and team consultant and coach, documentary presenter and sustainability campaigner. A former British Army Gurkha officer who also served for two years in the Special Forces, Adrian has conquered Everest, K2, the North and South Poles, the length of Greenland by kite ski and the Arabian Desert by camel amongst a lifetime of adventure. He has set two Guinness World Records and has authored three books, including the newly released One Man's Climb, A Journey of Trauma, Tragedy and Triumph on K2. It's an honour to be chatting with Adrian today to talk about the importance of perseverance and to learn how we can become more tenacious when faced with overwhelming challenges and audacious goals. Adrian Hayes, it's an absolute delight to have you here with us in the beautiful British Club here in Singapore. How are you this evening? I'm not too bad considering the jet lag, Kim. It's, uh, yeah, we get over it. But uh, anyway, I, I'm quite lucky because I sleep badly anyway. So if I, if I don't get a night's sleep, I'm actually okay with it. So you will persevere through the evening then? <laughs> yeah. First of all, it seems to me that perseverance is a compound trait. So I was thinking about perseverance and it occurred to me that it's probably made up of things like faith, courage, perhaps pure stubbornness. If you were to break down perseverance into its smaller parts, what would it look like to you? So I'm putting the question thinking about the times, and I'm going to put it to my expedition work now because I've, I've got many different hats as an expeditioner, as a speaker, as a leadership personal coach, as an author, and various other things as well. But if I look at, in fact, not even just the expedition side of things, I've had a few projects or tasks where I've had to pursue one recently, um, if not too much recently in personal life, which took five years. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got to have, I think, first of all, the, the, the clear goal. And I'm very big on goal setting. I dissect goal setting down to its component parts, strip it bare and get the rubbish out. You've got to be very, very clear why you are doing a goal. And ask myself, you know, what exactly am I trying to achieve here? That's the goal. And then the second question, for the sake of what? And then strip down that for the sake of, for the sake of what? For the sake of what? For the, really strip down 
the persona, the bravado, the, the what you want to appear to the world, get to the real nut and bolts of why you're doing something. If you've got a clear goal and you're committed to it and you're quite honest about the reasons you're doing it, the perseverance comes naturally with it. You will see that goal through to the end. So that's the first component part. I think the second one is putting up with the setbacks. Every goal, if you've got a goal that's too far, too lofty, it, it sometimes lets people people put it off. Like losing weight, you know, I'm going to lose 20 kilograms of weight. Well, that's too, that's too big a goal to go for. And it's hard to persevere when you're not getting there. So you've got to break them down into the interim goals, the smaller goals, step by step. And that allows you to get up the setbacks. And the third one, third component part, I would say is, is identifying pain. <laughs> you know, pain and these, uh, you know, and there's a lovely quote. It was written by an athlete once. Pain is temporary. may last a minute, an hour, a year, five years, but, but quitting lasts forever. That's mm. it. Yeah. So pain is temporary. Quitting lasts forever. So that's, that's how I would break down perseverance into three parts that mean most to me. However... Immediately you start talking and I'm thinking, yes, we can have lofty goals and we can be very clear about those goals. But if they're not authentic to us, if they're goals that we've adopted from our parents or from society, then do you feel that we'll be able to persevere to the same degree? Do you feel that authenticity is kind of imbued somewhere in, in authentic perseverance? Yeah. And if you're talking about goal setting, I'm sometimes asked by, I do a presentation and someone's really inspired by, you know, the videos, and the music and all these things. And, and the, uh, someone, I've said this story a few times. Someone asked me, Mr. Agent, I want to climb Mount Everest. And, uh, and I'll, I'll say to him, well, that's great, you know, great that you do. But, you know, firstly, I'll ask that question. Why exactly do you want to achieve it for the sake of what? For the sake of what? Strip it down. And then I'll ask him, so can I just tell you how much physical fitness do you do right now? And they might, the might guy say, nothing at all. I smoke 40 cigarettes a day. I drink probably five pints of beer, a, you know, a day, some of this. And, and that comes to the authenticity. If you set a goals that's in line with, your, with the values of who you are, you'll probably achieve it. Mm-hmm. If they're out of line with those values, the stark truth is you'll probably fail. And where I get this thing is we are, my favorite topic, the conversation these days is this social media epidemic for for attention seeking, recognition, respect, and fame. If you are doing some of these things for that fame, respect, you perhaps won't have that perseverance that's needed. It has to be authentic. I fully agree with you. Got to be in line with who you are. And so let's take it one step further. An authentic goal, you need to know what is it for. I love that. Is it better if we are being pushed by a sense of failure or pulled by a sense of accomplishment? Or am I getting that completely wrong? Is it actually about being inspired in the moment? I wouldn't say inspired in the moment because, again, if you just get a quick-witted thing, quick, I want to do this, goal Again, is that really authentic? You know, if that example of someone who asked me about this, health and fitness, for instance, and I'm, I'm only just concentrating on these things right now, but it's, it's an integral part of my values. It always has been. Now, you can ask why that was, uh, I can be authentic about it as a as a teenager, as a child. I struggled. I struggled with huge low self esteem, embarrassment, uh, low you know low confidence levels. I was a middle child, uh, you know, unloved, unseen, unheard. But I found I was actually quite. I I loved the fitness side, and I found I was really good at it, and it got me you know. Special Forces Selection Army and all these mountaineering things since I was 16 years of age. So that was, it was authentic. Health and fitness, for whatever reason, came became a part of my values and I will always be part of that. Um, so again, 
you know, that is going back to the authenticity. If I set a goal that is in line with my values, I'm just mm. repeating myself, but it's, uh, it, it's an authentic reason. So I don't think it's a, not a spur of the moment thing that I suddenly want to do. And that's, look, we've all read pictures. Some people get shamed. You know, they're perhaps at the weight side. They're overweight. And one day they decide, click, that's it. They're going to lose all this weight. So it does happen. But, um, you know, I, I, th- I think in the majority of cases, it's got to be something that's inbuilt in within, your, within yourselves. Do you fear failure as you are entering into a journey or an adventure or project? I don't fear failure, uh, but it hasn't come easily to me. <laughs> you know, it, it, and that, again, that's a setback. You, you have failures on the way. And some of these failures, and I'm not just talking about expeditions, some of these setbacks, let's call them setbacks, along certain challenges I faced, um, do send you into, into a pretty low place. And I think it's when you're in these low places, you've got to sort of slightly detach from the particles, I say, the, the bits and pieces, and slightly have this higher elevated vision. Um, I sometimes... The quote, everything happens for reasons, often used. And I do go with that quote as well. There's there's usually a reason for something. But there's another quote I like, which is, things happen. Uh, it's up to us to find the reason. Mm. And that that's a more proactive response. Because the, the everything happens for a reason. You know, we just sit back and, you know, just let, and let things wash over us. But things happen, right. You know, the SHITs hit the fan. Yeah. Right, we're in this place. What is the reason? And it sometimes might take a few hours. It might take a few days. It might take weeks, months. It might take five years to to find out. Ah, that was the reason for that. And that's what I I try to. And it's it's hard for humans uh, at the end of the day. But on these setbacks, I try and sort of uh, think of that. There's a reason behind this, even if it's hard at the time. You have persevered through some incredible adventures. You've conquered mountains and deserts and Greenland and both poles and many people many of my listeners would probably say well that's Adrian Hayes he's obviously just good at this kind of stuff were you good at persevering as a child I've got two teenagers they're not necessarily great at stickability were you perseverant as a child or is it something that you've actually grown into I would say that when I set my mind to a goal I can be very determined about it uh in fact i would say some of these expeditions so determined so driven to see it through that the blinkers come on Mm. and that can appear to be selfish can appear to be not self-centered because that's it's not that but it's self-preservation you've got to put the work in Mm. you've got to put that mindset to, to go through it so i think it's been with me for quite a long time and I'm going back to teenage years and training on this and various things and other projects but if there's a goal if it's a a challenge that perhaps I'm not interested in then I'll um yeah I'll sort of fade away I'll be like sort of everyone else but again it comes back to this if you're authentic you said it authentic Mm -hmm. with a goal you know the reasons you're doing it you're committed to it you're prepared to put up the pain prepared to put up the sacrifices you break it down into goals and it's part of who you are, then uh, yes, everything's possible. That's what I wonder. I wonder if it's perhaps not that you were particularly willful or obstinate, but rather that you chose goals that you were aligned with. 
And I put to you that maybe everybody on the planet has a goal that they would absolutely push through until they found, until they accomplished. And perhaps it's not so much having the will to push through, but finding the goal that will actually pull you forward. Yeah, look, we've all, I think most people will have goals. Look, looking at the past living, present living, and future living. Now, most of my meditational coaching, people in the sort of personal development world, and a lot of studies that say, you know, living in the present is is the way we must be. And, you know, that brings greatest happiness. And I agree with that. But I think without the future, if, if you're just living in the present, then what's there mm-hmm. to live for? You know, you just, let's just, well, let's just, drink things that's bad for us, smoke things that's bad for us, and eat things that's bad for us, all the rest of it. We may as well, because it doesn't matter. So I think that future side is 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 quite important. Where I'd say, and again, I think most things come back from the childhood and teens, perhaps it was my degree of comfort that of having these future goals. So when I'm struggling as a teenager, polar explorer on my wall, that was escape. You know, mm. that's escape from the struggling world we lived in. And that was my goals in there. And But I think most people we all got these goals but a lot of them are in the clouds most people and what I did and they're dreams they're dreams Mm. and I dream of a new house and I dream of traveling around the world I dream of this sort of luxury yacht sailing the Red Sea whatever it is or things what what I think I did was take pick them out the clouds and make them concrete goals Mm. and I wrote them down I wrote them down as a 12 year old boy wrote down these goals and they all came true so there's a power to write these things down I think most people are perhaps, um, it's safer to leave them in the clouds. It's a, it's a little comfort factor. Oh, if I won the lottery, you know, I do this and all the rest of it. Well, you know, if you really do want something determined about it, for instance, let's call the nice big house. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think a big house makes you any happier. Um, it's materialism, it's consumerism, it's just, it's a big house. I've lived in some very big houses and it really didn't, it was actually a little bit unfriendly. But if a house is your dream, for whatever reason, rightly or wrongly, if you're determined enough to get to it, then you will put your mind to that. Other things will be sacrifice, social life, um, fitness life, and everything. You will work to get it. So again, it goes back to getting that dream, picking it out, making a concrete goal, and and putting all your efforts into being it. You know, they've said if we all want to be millionaires, we probably could if we're determined enough. But again, I think most people just prefer to leave it in the clouds. It's a safe place. It's just it's nice and comfortable, but actually taking it and doing it is is quite frightening for a lot of people but we also have to be very careful about the kind of goals that we're setting for ourselves i love that you brought up winning the lottery because a lot of people have a dream of winning a lottery it's completely out of our control whether that happens or not and and i feel every year people set new year's resolutions and i have observed the amount of people who make a resolution that actually engages the hope or the luck or the synchronicity of the world around them to make that happen rather than saying right this year I'm going to get that particular job or this year I'm going to win the lottery surely it's important for us to set goals where it's all about us and our tenacity and our skills and our willfulness yes and no I would say you know I set goals for my daughter as well who's a most important uh, part of my life right now but let me go back to New Year's resolutions. Complete waste of time. Absolute waste of time. New Year's Day, we all get carried away with the euphoria of New Year's Eve. Let's do our New Year's resolutions. If you knew the procedures, I go into goal setting. It's a it's a process. And 
And I can tell your listeners, they might find it fascinating. So I started when I was 12 years of age, write them down. I didn't write them every year in the early stages, but I have since I was probably early 20s, wrote them every year. But uh, I've refined it. But I have a, a review of my year between about the 10th and the 20th of December. Mm. And, you know, the whole world, the energy of that time of the year is, is time, person of the year. It's sports personality of the year. Mm. It's all this reviewing energy and i have my own review so i sit back you know what was the what was the essence of this year and i'll do it in a, in a couple of months time 2019 what was this year about what did it end up there and i'll go back what i did good my rewards my things i did well what things i didn't do my learnings i have those things i have a session with some fellow coaches we'll have a pod call we'll go through it we'll brainstorm we'll get that out of the way and then between 27th of december and the 31st december so before the new year's resolutions all that rubbish I go again about the goal setting and I set a theme for the year. This is the year of this. And it's like a planting a stake in the ground. And that is this year is about this. And if I wander off this thing, I'm, I'm sort of like a tether as it pulls me back. <laughs> this year is about this. And, and that's a stake. I break it down into personal goals, professional goals, being goals. The professional and personal ones are broken down by quarters. I use the, you know, the sun, the Earth's orbit around the sun, you know, the energy systems of the equinox, the solstice. There's a little bit of a, you know, end of June, a little bit of relief, right? Summer's here, you know, well, how are we doing this, this six months? So it's a real process. And again, review it with uh, some fellow coaches and get this thing. So by the 31st December, my, my whole year's plan is written down. It's there. And, and the other thing, and I've often used this, sometimes we're said, you know, well, what's your five-year plan? Where did you see yourself in five years? I haven't a clue. Okay. Mm. Well, no, no, roughly I'm going, but I, I don't think, particularly today's world, we can really plan that far ahead. You know, it's so uncertain, the world today, and there's an uncertainty. We just don't quite know. But I think a year, 18 months, we can, and that's a manageable chunk. Again, it's using the Earth's orbit around the sun, the energy systems, the energy of December, the energy of the new year, the energy of September. September's always got a big buzz, you know, the last quarter of the year, and it's using that nature to its fullest of, of tapping into that and, and getting your sort of life on a you know on a future footing but not so far in the future that it's sort of out of our hands you have proven to yourself that you can persevere that you can attain the goals that you set for yourself not many people have that kind of certainty in themselves and i do wonder if many people actually shy away from setting audacious goals because they are afraid that they don't have the tenacity to see them through do you feel that that could be a problem for many people yeah i suppose it could be because again you know maybe i've just become perhaps as part of me who, who i am and the, the values i hold and having set these big goals in my teens and wrote them down and sort of achieved these things but the perseverance side is i don't know i mean maybe the military did sort of help as well i mean you know military training you are you've you, you're taught perseverance it becomes an embrain i mean i went to sandhurst did two years of special forces sandhurst our brain was taken out and implanted with all that things and put back into ourselves and um so perhaps there's a bit of things on that side as well look i'll take the, the question though with a bigger picture of who we all are if all of us is is capable of changing ourselves all of us are capable of being better persons learning i mean i got this mantra life is for learning depends how badly you want it mm -hmm. so if perseverance is a bit weak to you how badly is that to you to to being a, a happy person at the end of the day all after being happy fulfilled life worth living all these things how important is it to you 
Um, you know, weight loss is a big thing. Um, I talk about, you know, drink and smoking. How many people have struggled to quit smoking? How many people struggle to stop drinking? I, I, I drink a little bit, not much, but I can, I can hold a, a glass of wine or two a week. That's it. I don't need it anymore. I've never smoked. Um, and big, but that's part of who I am because I got this, you, you know, my body is the most precious thing I'll ever be given. I only got one liver two lungs two kidneys and everything else yeah. so look after them because because whatever you believe in you know this is the only unless you believe in reincarnation this is the only body i'll ever have so i i treat this like gold dust not everyone sees it like that but i think it helps for you to to experience things in life i, I worked i trained as a paramedic mm-hmm. and i saw i and I worked in hospitals. I, I did post-mortems. I worked in the ambulance service. I cut up post-mortems lungs of a smoker. And I saw for myself my eyes, the tar-stained lungs of a smoker. <gasps> if I wasn't put off smoking by then, then that sort of uh, made me aware. So that's about education, about experiencing yourself and exposing yourself to, to the realities of life. And that perhaps gives us that drive. Is there a benefit in pursuing a smaller goal that you feel that you can get to the end of? Yeah, as I said at the beginning, it's if you set a goal that's too lofty, that's too out of reach, the temptation to give up is is, is overwhelming. And, and for right reasons too, because um, you've got to set those smaller interim goals. Um, forget the, I'm going to lose 20 kilograms this, this year, you know, what's something per month or something per quarter. So yeah, very, very much. I think smaller goals over a, a manageable period of time is a much more healthy way and when you see the rewards coming in and you you tick off a little goal um you know you give yourself a pat on the back mm. i've just uh, i've done this thing and it gives you that mo- momentum and sort of motivation to sort of uh, to keep going i always thought you know job searching was one of the things which some i'm sure everyone has done it at some stage when you get into action when you actually get into action in a program you start writing you start calling you start okay you know and you get some leads i always actually said when you if you're looking for a job the best thing to do is to not ask for a job ask for help mm-hmm. and i get hundreds of cvs people come send me every week i get hundreds if someone's personally asked me adrian do you mind if i ask your advice you know to help on something they're all human beings. Oh, this person's asked the right. I will always ask, answer him and help or her and, and, and help them out. But I, I can't answer all these other things. So small little goals, but getting into action just breeds this sort of little motivation. And it's one little lead, one little, yeah, I'm willing to see you. It's, um, it's a small little goal on the, on the way to one particular sort of objective. So accomplishment probably feeds perseverance in some way then. Absolutely. Yeah. And that goes back to the interim goals, the smaller goals that yeah. you can set and tick off. Now, you have served in the British military, and including in the special forces. You've traveled to the most extreme parts of the world. You've written three books. Once you have the ability to persevere in pursuing one type of goal, Adrian, like climbing a mountain, does it automatically convert into other areas such as completing a book? In other words, are you great at persevering at everything, or are there some things that you still struggle through? I think the trait does branch across different areas of one's life. I would say one thing I didn't say before, which was compartmentalization. Mm. I'm very good at that. I say I'm good at it. Let me just rephrase that. I'm actually, I do it. 
<laughs> which again comes back to the blinkers on what I said earlier. It can be a little bit all-consuming, mm. self-consuming. But I think the bigger the goal, the more you need to do that because it's just not the time or anything. If you dilute it too much, you will end up sort of just not achieving anything. Uh, I think it does, again, I think if, if it's important enough to you, it does carry across all areas of one's life. Mm. And I'll give you, you know, one example. I mean, the, the hardest challenge, I mean, I know we've spoken a lot about physical goals in this mm. interview and people, perhaps some people listening, oh, but he's just physically, you know, fit and he, he loves physical challenges. Well, let me just put something else on it. Um, a personal challenge, which was a five-year battle through, um, I'll just say family courts, a five-year battle through a family court with constant setbacks. I mean, mm. and I just persevered. And, and frankly, it's the hardest challenge I've ever had in my life. It beats K2, North Pole, whatever it's put together. The hardest challenge I've ever had in my, whole in my whole life. But I just persevered because I believed what I was doing was right. And, and it just, you just put up with these, these setbacks, which had me in tears. I was, you know, just, just wept on many stages because of the setbacks. But you just pick yourself up and just keep, uh, just keep going for it. That strikes me as the kind of endurance that most of my listeners will feel familiar with, right? Not everyone has climbed a mountain or gone to the poles, but we've all had to get up day after day to deal with something that is deeply emotional and incredibly challenging emotionally. What was it that you were plugging into every morning on the, on the times that you wept? What was it that you were plugging back into that got you up and kept you going? Well, I think I said earlier again that in the setbacks of looking at the reason for it, you know, what, you know, in that moments of despair. In fact, I'd say one more, it's just, just looking for reason behind it. But also there's a quote, I love that it's from our greatest despairs comes our greatest learnings. I, mm -hmm. It's hard to look at it at the time, but, in a, uh, but when you speak to people who've had terminal illnesses, people who've had terrible accidents uh, and things of tragedies have happened, some people succumb will end up in depression some people will end up resorting to drink or to drugs or whatever it is but if you can realize and sometimes it takes years later that there is learning in the darkness mm. and that perhaps keeps one going it kept me going that there's learning behind it and uh, i think there was in this particular case what's really vital there though that you've just spoken about though is the act of persevering is kind of underpinned by the sense that at some time in the future this may make sense to me or in some time in the future I will see how I have benefited. Do you feel that you say living in the moment being present is incredibly good for us but having perhaps a, a faith or a knowing or just a hope that there's something in the future do you feel that's really vital as well? Yeah and I you know I don't I don't speak about the deeper stuff too much i think it's everyone's own personal whatever they believe in or not believe in and that's up to them it doesn't really matter to anyone else what that is in my personal view it might upset a few people but you know i think we all live apart from striving for happiness which most of us are we do have that hope and hope is uh, is a powerful sort of uh, weapon to use in in the darkest times but you know, sometimes as I've spoken about blinkers on, I've spoken about compartmentalization, I've spoken about that determination, that perseverance. Sometimes there's a detriment to that, and is when you put 
the blinkers on and you compartmentalize so much that you fail to see the bigger picture. Mm. And I think that's where sometimes it can become unhealthy. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about when people stick to a personal pursuit, whether it be mountain climbing or perhaps a job or a relationship, well beyond the point where it's actually healthy for them. How do we know when we are walking away for our own benefit as opposed to giving up? Yeah, and I suppose the relationship's perhaps the best one. And I've got a very simple thing. Not all relationships are meant to last. Mm. I mean, ideally they'll last. But you think about our lives. We have business colleagues. We have school friends. We have friends. We have partners. Most of the partners, obviously, some people lucky enough um, to have one for life. But in general, people come and go mm. through our lives. And, you know, so not all relationships are, me- are meant to last. So that's one. But I think it goes back to we perhaps get tunnel vision. And maybe that's where I contrast the blinkers on, which I think is a, a, a very good trait. Blinkers on, shutting all else out to go for this goal, whatever we've put on uh, ourselves. Compartmentalization, I think is a very positive trait. I don't believe in multitasking. I think, you know, people say men can't multitask. Well, there's scientific studies about that. You are taken away from these things. I think compartmentalization in journey is a, is a positive thing. But tunnel vision, for some reason, that word tends to me to bring up a little bit negative. It means you you cannot see outside the tunnel. Mm, <laughs> okay. mm. So the blinkers, you can always take the blinkers off and have a little look outside and see what's going on. Uh, the compartmentalization, you can always go into, tap into the other areas of your brain. But the tunnel vision, you're stuck in this tunnel and you cannot see the wood for the trees. Mm. And I think that's where people get it wrong. And the simple case on K2, which was, you know, the, the world's my second last mountain. It's the subject of my new book, One Man's Climb, which I'll insert. I was asked to write it um, by the daughter of the guy who got killed. Mm. Okay. And I think he became tunnel visioned about reaching that summit at all costs. And he and his son, an experienced mountain guide, by the way, we're not talking, you know, tourists, a highly well known mountain guide and his highly experienced son. I think the mountain guy became tunnel visioned on it and just just couldn't see outside that obsession. Mm. And this is where I suppose obsession becomes, again, another negative trait. So compartmentalization, determination, perseverance, great, but tunnel vision, no. How do we know the difference? How do we know when our blinkers have led us into a tunnel? (laughs) It's a great question because I don't think we do know. Mm. We can't see it. But I think that then comes to actually asking other people. Okay. And getting other people's views and people whose motivations are for the good of yourself, not for their own self purposes. Mm. And, you know, having that deep chat with people, what do you think about this? Sometimes our partners perhaps are too close to us to give an objective viewpoint. But if you've got a trusted colleague, and, you know, trust is one of a, a huge thing that, you know, it's a fantastic trait that you have with people, but asking them their opinions. How about feedback from our own bodies or our own emotional bodies? I know that we often get feedback in our emotional bodies when we are in situations where we're better off walking away. Do you feel that we should pay attention to that kind of feedback? And does it help us understand when it's time to actually step out of the tunnel? I think our bodies are remarkable things. you know, And it, 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 the body's will adapt. I mean, I, I take the equation, you go into space, basically the body is just, your legs dissolve. You don't need legs in space. 
face. So they end up like Mr. Blobby. Uh, go to altitude, blood is, is sent to the cause. Fingers aren't important, but the body thinks one step ahead. It doesn't think it might need these fingers for tapping on an iPhone. Um, and uh, and the same with, with coldness. You know, So the, the body will give you signs. And I know, again, you've got to tap into your body. I mean, it sounds quite so holistic, but you've got to know your body very, very well and notice when things aren't quite working. Again, it's this whole awareness and consciousness side of, of knowing when things don't feel right or even take gut instinct what is gut instinct well, it's an energetic thing depends how what you look at it but you know if you really tap into that what's that sort of saying it depends how where you are of your, of your body so i think that side of thing is perhaps take you out of that tunnel vision side and i also think when i'm questioning things i go for a walk in nature and mm-hmm. uh, and i look up at the sky and uh, and it's just it gets us away from the screens because i've got a you know a massive battle with screen time the whole world way the world is moving to being addicted to our screens but get into nature and just it doesn't need to be climbing the top of everest anything but just go for a walk in the woods or in on the plains i live in the new forest in, in hampshire and it just oh. gives me a different perspective that's all just to uh again a little some i don't know you just get to think a little bit more um out of your own little tunnel vision side of things so Outside of being an adventurer and a, a very physical accomplisher, you also uh, partake in a lot of economic, social and environmental sustainability campaigns. Indeed, your advocacy for a greater consciousness and mindfulness as well is a, a huge part of what you do. In these areas, you are actually fighting against some pretty entrenched systems and ideas. How do you persevere in this work? Is it the same kind of perseverance as when you're out climbing a mountain? Yeah, look, I'm passionate about sustainability and it's probably the most overused yet misunderstood word word in the English language today. I think 75%, 80% of the world's problems are because we don't understand the concept. And very briefly, everything we do in our lives will fall into one of three pillars, our economy, Mm -hmm. our society, or our environment. Mm What people don't get is that whatever you do in one of those three pillars will affect all the others, and you can't solve problems in one without looking at all three together. Mm So imagine these three circles coming together, that interlinking bit in the middle, that's sustainability. So when you understand that, you think, ah, yes, the sort of fingers click and the, the, the key drops, that that's the reason for this. So you are, you know, climate change, for instance, is very big, very topical these days. Now, the problem, and it's very fashionable for polar explorers to be climate change advocates and all that. I'm not. Um, it's a serious problem. Uh, the Earth is warming, but climate change is only one part mm-hmm. of that whole environmental circle. There's whole other things in there that you've got to look at the whole things together. Resource depletion, deforestation, antibiotic resistance, everything comes yeah. together. And also the way we're looking at climate change campaigns, we're looking at one part only of that climate change, which is to reduce carbon emissions. There's a whole host of things in there. But if you put the whole society and economy together, you've got to look at all these things. And the big ones that nobody will touch, economic growth. And it's not about stopping growth, but economic growth is one of the big elephants in the room. And the second one is the numbers on our earth. Mm. And that's where mm-hmm. we need to be addressing. But of course, mm-hmm. they're so toxic, people don't address them. But when you address that, you can get that sustainability argument. So you'll meet a lot of people who you start talking like that, and they'll roll their eyes, especially those in, you know, in certain entrenched systems around the world. 
what makes you persevere through that conversation? Do you think you're chipping away at people's concepts and ideas of the world? Well, look, I'm passionate about the world we live in. And that came, again, from the, the childhood dreams. I'm passionate about wildernesses. Mm. I'm passionate about these ice caps and mountains and forests and nature itself. And I, I want to keep them preserved. And as I said, I don't like them being overrun by... Um, we have to. People say about everything, the pollution and deforestation and resource depletion and climate change and carbon emissions. Well, you know, if you've got 7.4 billion people on Earth, um, and it could, you know, I don't want to be negative, but unless with that numbers, what is that? That's the consequence. So mm-hmm. I think the world is changing. We're getting, as I said, one good thing about the internet, about, you know, people becoming more and more aware of things. So I think the, the truths are ebbing away. But I think, you know, we've lost the thing economic growth we've forgotten what the purpose of growth was mm. and we've become growth for growth's sake right. and I think Bhutan one of my favorite countries in the world we perhaps get a little bit of lessons from there gross happiness index not gross domestic product absolutely there are wonderful different ways that we can do yeah. things now other than the fact that you're a tenacious man and you can overcome enormous obstacles what else have you learned about yourself as you've persevered through life's challenges well I think what I've learned about myself is that we're all pretty capable of enormous things. And I, I put two examples, and I often think that about this. I mean, there's been cases across the world documented where, let's give an example, um, a, a small lady whose child is under the wheels of a car and the driver's unconscious or something like this, and no one's helping the child scream. And this ladies managed to lift up the cars with their bare hands and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So it's superhuman feats of strength. Or I take another one where people have been diagnosed six months to live, they've been cancer, sadly cancer, mm. you know, out of control. Six months to live, year to live. And these people have done the most incredible things in that time that they've had left on earth. And I suppose the coaching world works by, well, if we've got all this potential, do we need a crisis to unlock it? Mm. All the tools, the techniques, the models, the mantras, the lessons, the learnings, all this stuff to unlock it. And I think that's what I, I did when I got in the whole world of, development from the late 90s it's just well we've got this potential let's uh, let's unlock it um, and uh, again depends if you how much badly you want it so my final question adrian i'm incredibly grateful for your time so far this is a question i ask all my guests on the eudaimonia podcast can you recommend a morning reminder so this might be a daily ritual a practice perhaps even an affirmation that can inspire my listeners to persevere through life's inevitable challenges Yes, it is. Now, I know a lot of my personal development friends will say they do the, the meditation, the 20 minutes and 30 minutes. I haven't got time for that. Sorry, folks. <laughs> but, but what I do when I get up in the morning, go, I go outside and I walk for about a couple of minutes, <sighs> breathe the air in, look up at the sky. Okay, I'm, you know, I'm still alive. I'm still healthy. It's all good. And then go back and then I'll go on my screens. So I think that two minute walk in the morning is, is yeah, that's, that's a great affirmation. It's really powerful before you even pick up your phone and have a look Absolutely. on Twitter. Adrian Hayes, if people want to know more about you, they want to perhaps get a hold of your latest book, where can they find you? Uh, they can find my website, adrianhayes.com. That's Adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N-H-A-Y-E-S.com. And everything links to social media sites uh, and the book is all there. Well, I am incredibly grateful for your time, as I say, and I wish you a very pleasant evening up here on the top of the hill in Singapore. Thanks very much. The ancient Greek philosopher Plutarch once said, Perseverance is more prevailing than violence, and many things which cannot be overcome when they are together, 
yield themselves up when taken little by little. You've been listening to the Eudaimonia podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how to live a truly flourishing life, please subscribe and check out eudaimoniapod.com for more inspiring episodes. I'm Kim Forrester. Until next time, be well, be kind to yourself, and when life knocks you down, get back up and persevere. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.